Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. My name is M, and I want to talk about books and cats. book lovers, how's your week been? Have you read any good books? This past week was packed for me, but I did get some writing done on my weekly writing project, Heart of the Storm, and I made sure to get everything done by Sunday so that I could have a day of relaxing and reading, and it was fantastic. I'm definitely going to try to do this more often. Um, Most of the time I get behind on things during the week, and then I have to really like kind of scramble to get everything done. But I'm really trying to make like Sunday my day of relaxation so I can be refreshed for the coming week. And it's definitely going to involve my books. (laughs) So the book I read this week is one that I got from Book of the Month a while ago. I remember not being too certain about this one, but it looked interesting and a little different than the usual thrillers that I get. Sort of, it turns out. Um, This week's book is The Last Story of Mina Lee by Nancy Juyun Kim. And I'm very, very sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. This book is a beautiful tale about women, their friendships and trials, mothers and daughters, and also the trials of immigrants in the U.S. and the cultural clash between traditional Korean beliefs and the bright, shiny new American life. Mostly this is a story about Mina Lee, a woman beset with tragedy throughout her entire life. She grows up in an orphanage, she loses her husband and her daughter in a horrible accident, and she ends up in America trying to outrun her pain and find a place to disappear. The story slips back and forth really wonderfully between the 1980s when Mina is living in the United States and doing her best to just survive and adjust to this new country, and then it jumps to 2014 from the perspective of her American daughter, Margot, who is finally learning about her mother's past after she finds her dead in her apartment. Mina apparently died from a fall and hitting her head, and she has already been gone a couple of weeks when Margot finds her body. Of course, Margot is overcome with guilt and also convinced that something more sinister happened to her mother. Certain statements are not adding up, and the people in her mother's circle are making her suspicious. She's not getting any help from the police either, or her mother's landlord, or anyone, really. But she slowly begins to piece together her mother's life and secrets, and the months leading up to her death. This book is a beautiful examination of family and friendships, and the family we choose for ourselves. It really made me tear up, but it also might just be because of where I am at personally right now. But I definitely think the story had something to do with it. It's so, so good. So yeah, I highly, highly recommend The Last Story of Mina Lee by Nancy Juyun Kim. And now we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you about my cat Strudel's newest kill. Hello, Buscher Freunden. I'm pretty sure that's how you say hello, book lovers in German. I think. Not sure. 
I'm almost up to a year with my German learning streak, and Prismatext is helping me keep it interesting. They take awesome classic novels and mix in words from the language of your choice, which is German for me. And if you don't know the word, you can click on it and see the translation. It's a super easy and fun way to learn a new language while reading some amazing books. Currently, Prismatext books are available in English as a first language, and the targeted languages include Spanish, French, Italian, German, and Portuguese. Follow the link in the show notes to help support the podcast, and use code BOOKSANDCATS for 30% off your order. That's all caps, books, the letter N, CATS, for 30% off your order. Start learning today while enjoying your favorite classics with Prismatext. All right, book lovers. I had a new experience the other night. Um, My cat Strudel has really upped her hunting game, and somehow she caught a bat. I'm not sure how that happened. Now, I adore bats. I think they are cute and cool and super important for the ecosystem. But I do not want them in my house. Specifically, I do not want them swooping over my bed at 3 o'clock in the morning. That is not a fun way to wake up. (laughs) Uh, My window had popped open at the top because I had put my fan in, um, but I didn't know it was open. And I heard Strew at the window, but I assumed that she couldn't get in. I was so very, very wrong about that. (laughs) I hid under my blanket when I saw the bat swooping, um, but I did not scream. I was trying really hard to not wake everyone up, but I was also kind of like, now I'm trapped under my blanket. <laughs> um, I did end up sleeping on the couch for the rest of the night, but it took me a while to get out of my room. <laughs> Luckily, the bat found its way out and escaped my younger cats, who were very, very interested in playing with it, but luckily are not as skilled as true. <laughs> I had stayed up to finish editing a podcast, so I got very little sleep that night, but hey, it's a story, I guess. One that I'd like to not repeat, if possible. The window is definitely shut now. (laughs) So now it is time for the quote of the week. And this week I have two. The first one is a quote that I have seen kind of all over the internet. It is not claimed by anyone. The origin of this quote is unknown. um, But I think it's a really good one. And I think it kind of fits well with the last story of Mina Lee. And the quote is this. (laughs) Family isn't always blood. It's the people in your life who want you in theirs. The ones who accept you for who you are. The ones who would do anything to see you smile. And who love you no matter what. And I just think that's beautiful. You know, there's so much pressure put on, you know, having a good relationship with your blood relatives. and, And it's not always healthy. So I think it's really important to define family However, you need to define family, because as long as there's love, that's family. Okay. And the next quote is just about reading. It is from Ralph Waldo Emerson, and it is, Fiction reveals truths that reality obscures. And I just thought that was really, that was a good one. (laughs) So that is the end of this episode of M's Books and Cats podcast. If you're interested in any Books and Cats merch, check out the merch page on the website, booksandcats.com. That's books, the letter N, cats.com. There's going to be some new shirts coming up this summer, so stay tuned for that. Remember, you can check out bonus episodes of the podcast with Self-Care Saturday and then Storytime with M on Sunday. 
Also stick around after the music and you can hear chapter 21 of my weekly writing project, Heart of the Storm. It is getting so good. I'm playing around with some different types of characters that I don't normally use, and I'm really trying to be inclusive. And uh, I really love the way it's turning out. So yeah, stay tuned after the music for that one. Yeah, life is good, book lovers. We're living the book life over here. Send me a message on Instagram, books.cats.pod, and uh, tell me how you're living the book life. Tell me what your summer reading plans are. Tell me anything about books and cats. I want to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep reading. Welcome back, book lovers. And now it's time for chapter 21 of Heart of the Storm. Enjoy. Look what she did to the window. The large window overlooking the valley had always been Manx's favorite spot in the ornate fortress Mina had once called a home. He liked to visit on nights when it rained and watch the lightning strike various points in the valley. Always at the same places. Now he stood before a pile of jagged shards of glass and scowled out into the valley of darkness below. Thea rolled her eyes and snapped her fingers. She was tired of her husband's sentimentality, and she knew who he was thinking of and why he had visited so often. At the snap, Manx's body went stiff, and he tottered for a moment before toppling over. He landed face down on the pile of glass and started to scream. Thea rolled her eyes again and sauntered out of the room. She climbed the stairs and followed the long hallway to the library. There were signs of a struggle. Books were scattered, and something sticky and dark marred the polished floor. She knew the smell. Her mouth began watering immediately. A soft scraping sound from the shadows drew her attention, and her skin tingled with apprehension. Step out of the shadows, you coward, Thea said softly. Her voice was low and even, and as smooth and slippery as ice. A giggle from one corner was quickly joined by another from the corner to Thea's left, then another, and another. A chorus of giggles surrounded Thea, but she held her ground. She kept her eyes trained on the first corner. She knew who was waiting in the shadows for her. Enough, Thea commanded. Her voice was still low, but the giggles cut off abruptly at her command. Come out here, Mina. When her supposed sister stepped from the shadows, even Thea had to hold back her reaction. Her naturally curvaceous sister had grown over a foot and towered over Thea. Her body was scrawny, all bones and sinew. Her skin was stretched thin and translucent with a silvery sheen. Her fingers were long and claw-like, and her hair was stringy and falling out in clumps. Her eyes were dark, hooded pits, but they glittered a little when they smiled at Thea. What's the matter, sister? Did you forget what the transformation looks like? You've done it to quite a few unlucky ladies before me. I didn't do this to you, Mina, Thea said, shaking her head sadly. You made this choice yourself, and you got what you wanted. Now you will live forever. Mina smirked. Jealous? She asked with a snort. Another few strands of her greasy hair fell to the floor. Thea just laughed. 
I brought your boyfriend with me, she added, laughing again at Mina's grotesque, shocked expression. Who? She croaked. She seemed to deflate. Thea, though still smaller in stature, once again held the power. Oh, come on, sis. You know. He was also my husband. Mina shuddered. Her skin looked yellowish and waxy. She dropped to her knees with a horrendous cracking sound and buried her face in her talon-like fingers. Don't, she whispered. Please, Thea. Not like this. Thea smirked at her sister's pathetic vanity. Even now. Even looking as she did. Thea snapped her fingers and sighed. Mina was weak. She was no threat. Not anymore. She had done her worst decades ago. Now it was Thea's turn. After falling for what felt like hours, Kevo landed suddenly on a firm but springy surface. The green material gave a little under Kevo's weight and fired him straight back up into the air. A flash of silver flew by, and Lazalt snagged Kevo from the air and flew off through a thick tangle of oversized leaves. The spaces between were small, but he knew the way well and traveled at a terrifying speed. Kevo shut his eyes and hoped to make it through. When the roar of the wind rushing around him died down, Kevo opened his eyes and gasped. They were in a massive column of green leaves, tightly woven and each as big as a house. Lizalt placed him gently down on an empty leaf. Most of them were already filled with other wood dwellers, their wings in various hues and sizes. Some flitted from leaf to leaf, and the air was buzzing with laughter and chatter. On a nearby leaf, Kevo caught the eye of a pretty young wood dweller, with shimmery iridescent blue wings and long black hair. She smiled shyly and waved at Kevo. He raised his hand hesitantly in return, feeling the burn of embarrassment in his cheeks. Lazalt placed a hand on Kevo's arm, and he was suddenly aware that the entire place had gone silent. Every eye was turned upward. What's going on? he asked. But Lazalt squeezed his arm and did not reply. A severe woman with greenish skin appeared in the air before them. She carried a small, familiar girl on her back. Gemma? Kevo asked. Kevo? The mixture of confusion and relief in her voice matched how Kevo was feeling. It wasn't Harper, but it was still nice to see a somewhat friendly face. We have a problem, the woman said in a gruff voice. She cast a pointed look upward. It's not, Lazalt began but he stopped short when the woman met his gaze. Come on, she said, and a moment later she and Gemma were gone. Kevo opened his mouth, but before he could decide which question to ask first, Lazalt grabbed him and whisked him away. They climbed upward at a frantic pace toward whatever was waiting at the top. Francie stood on the edge of the forest with the creature that had once been Ma's. The stupidity of bringing her new pet back to their homeland was dawning on Francie now, and she regretted not killing Ma's outright. Now she had to decide how to handle the mist. What are you doing? A small voice behind Francie made her jump. She saw immediately why she had not heard the intruder's approach. A small wood dweller with pale gold hair and matching buttery wings hovered just a few feet off the ground and watched her with large, round eyes filled with curiosity. Francie laughed a little and clutched a hand to her heart. You scared me she said brightly. I'm supposed to be visiting someone, but I can't seem to get past the mists. The child fluttered by and placed their hand in the mists. They parted just a little. 
You mean like this? Yes, Francie cried. Then she lowered her voice and tried to mask her excitement. Can you make it a little bigger? The child shrugged. Sure. They placed their hands in the mists and fluttered their wings. The wind blew away the mist below their hands, and Francie darted through the opening. The moss creature followed close behind. The child lowered their arms and slipped through the mists. It's weird that you can't just go through, they said. Francie shrugged. I'm not like your kind, she said simply, hoping the child would get tired of their questions and move on. That's for sure, the child said, looking her over with a scrutiny that made Francie uncomfortable. I don't know anyone who can't pass through the mists. First time for everything, kid. Francie was having a hard time keeping the annoyance from her voice. What's that? The young wood dweller asked and pointed at the creature that had once been Ma's. Um, Francie began, but the child's eyes went wide with realization. I knew it, they whispered to themselves. Evil, they hissed. Their mouth opened unnaturally wide. Their teeth were long and thin and sharp. What? Francie was frozen. She was more stunned than fearful. She'd never seen anything like it before. The child flew at her with its mouth wide and teeth glittering. Francie raised her hands and the small figure froze in midair. They fought her with surprising strength, but there were few in existence that could match Francie. This child was putting up a good fight, though. Francie had to focus on her defense. Then the Ma's creature leapt up and knocked the child to the ground. It took the whimpering wood-dweller in its spindly legs and spun it into a sticky bundle. Francie wrinkled her nose at the sucking sounds of the creature that had once been Ma's, drinking in what was left of the child. She waited impatiently for her pet to finish its snack. She had not been thrilled at first to have the creature tagging along, but it was proving helpful after all. She snapped her fingers and Ma's jumped, dropping the withered remains of the bundle and skittered away into the forest. The trees glowed with a murky, poisonous light. She could feel the energy radiating off the smooth bark. She felt drawn to touch them, but Francie knew if she did, her journey would be over. And she wasn't quite ready for that yet. She followed the sounds of the Ma's creature through the dim, greenish light, and tried to regain the strength she had lost fighting off the child. What kind of magic had Ma's found amongst these trees? It was something new and unknown to her, yet it felt ancient, older than any other magic. Francie could feel its mossy texture against her skin. It felt slimy and cold as it collected on her, but she couldn't wipe it away. It was weighing her down, slowing her movements, and dulling her senses. Francie stopped walking. She had lost sight of the creature that had once been Ma's. Her limbs were stiff and heavy. She couldn't move another step under the weight. She heard a skittering somewhere nearby, but her eyes were grown over with moss. The sound moved closer. Francie's only remaining sense was hearing. It was as sharp as ever, and she swore she could hear the moss creature laughing. Harper rolled the wooden wheelchair to the edge and paused. They had moved her into the chair from the floor and then left her alone in the dark room. She experimented with it for a bit. It was well-made and maneuvered smoothly. It hadn't been difficult for her to find her way out of the building she was housed in. She had not seen anyone on her way, and the wheelchair moved soundlessly through the leafy halls. Her arms were tired by the time she reached the central core. 
The tube of leaves that extended far below where she sat perched on the edge of a leaf the size of a bus. Her upper body ached, and Harper's heart felt desperately heavy. Her legs, however, still felt nothing. What was the point? What was she even doing? Harper wasn't sure what battle she was fighting, but she knew it wasn't her war. Whatever was coming to a head now had begun long ago. She inched the wheel to the edge of the leaf and glanced down. That was a mistake. She could still feel her heart, and it was hammering painfully in her chest now. The tunnel below her had gone silent. The sound died out in a ripple, like a wave going back out to the sea. The tension that followed was palpable. One more push and Harper could be done with all of it. She was tired of running. Now she couldn't even do that. Harper wasn't sure she could do it. Even as she lamented her losses, there was a sliver of her that still clung desperately to life. It turned her arms to stone, unable to make the final push. She became aware of a faint buzzing. It was getting louder, coming closer. Harper rolled her eyes. What now? How much more could she possibly take? With a sudden surge of power, Harper broke the heaviness of her arms and pushed. Her one last connection to life snapped, and the chair plummeted over the edge. She clung to it, and they twisted and flipped through the air at an alarming rate. The roar of the wind drowned out everything else. Then Harper was struck with a blinding flash of light, and she became weightless. And that is the end of Chapter 21, Book Lovers. I hope you're enjoying Heart of the Storm. I am definitely still enjoying writing it. Make sure to come back next week and check out Chapter 22. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep reading.